Hello, hello, and welcome to The Art of Being You with me, Rachel Wortman. You guys, this podcast is all about learning to be who God created you to be, embracing that person, and ultimately living your best life with Jesus. We've got a lot of great content today, so let's get to it in The Art of Being You. Well, we're diving in today to a topic that I know all too well, probably a little bit too well. And the topic is about the struggle bus. It's about struggling in life and what do you do about it? So we're talking about how to struggle well, can you really ever stop struggling, and some other questions along those lines. So let's dive in. Here's the deal. Everyone struggles. You need to hear this. Every single person on the face of this earth struggles. Some people admit that regularly. I'm one of those people. Other people pretend like that's not true, but it's a lie that perfection is attainable. It's not. There is no one on the face of the earth that is not struggling with something in their life. Let me put it to you this way, or maybe I should say, let me pose this question to you, because recently I felt like God posed this question to me. And I had this thought as I was, I think, driving down the road, and it just dawned on me, if we don't have a struggle in our life or a weakness, then we don't have a platform to see God's strength in our lives. In other words, if his strength is made perfect in our weakness, what the Bible tells us, then if we don't have any weaknesses, we don't get to see God's strength. This is really important for us to understand, right? Because strength is, God's strength is made perfect in our weakness, but we don't want to have weaknesses. Think about this, guys. You need weakness in your life. I'll just say it. You do. You need to have weaknesses. Why? So that you can see God's strength on display. I know this is something that it's like, Lord, really any other way? I mean, come on. But it's the it's just the truth. Let me pose this question to you. What if every single person is actually born with a fatal flaw? What if all of us are actually gifted a flaw or a weakness, an intentionally thought out weakness gifted to each and every one of us by God so that we can experience his grace in our lives? It's a tough thought because, yes, we're made perfect in his image, but also we know that we're not perfect. It's sort of the wrestle of the kingdom, right? Made in his image and yet struggling, or maybe we should say we are saved and yet we are being sanctified and and discovering salvation as it unfolds as our life journeys with Jesus. What if we're flawed on purpose? I like to think of those of us in the world that struggle with eating healthy, or we like to indulge too much in a sweet tooth. And that's a flaw. It's it's not maybe a flaw is a wrong way to say that, but it's a struggle, right? Th- to make the choice to eat something healthy can be a struggle. And then we can look and say, well, those people, the super athletic ones that just don't have a sweet tooth or the ultra vegan people that just don't care that sugar is a thing in the world, you know, we could say, well, they don't struggle. No, they're struggling with something else. For every person that's struggling with indulging in food products that are not healthy for you. There's someone who is struggling in being too compulsive over what they do and don't eat. We all have a struggle. 
So the idea is not to just never struggle. The idea is to make sure that you're driving your struggle bus. You are not just seated on it, being taken, uh, you know, left and right and wherever the emotions will take you, but you are actually in the driver's chair directing the direction of your life. There's a fantastic book on parenting for little kids called Loving the Little Years. And in it, the writer, I forget her last name, but her first name is Rachel. I'm never going to forget that. But the writer makes this connection to emotions for children. And she uses this analogy of how to help your kids with their emotions. And she says, you know, emotions are not supposed to drive the car. Or she also limit likens it to the reins in a horse. The emotions are not supposed to be the horse going this way or that way. We are supposed to drive our emotions. We are supposed to have control over where our emotions take us. I think this is a great analogy for us in our everyday lives as well. So here's my challenge to you. Don't try to not struggle. Try to struggle well. Don't try not to struggle. Try to struggle well. Okay. When I was in college, we had this saying in my community that was grade A flesh. And we talked about how some people just have grade A flesh. And what we meant by that was just the people who, you know, on their worst day, it's really not that bad. Do you know people like that? Like on their worst day, they're sort of June Cleaver anyway. And so we would liken that to say, you know, they're, they have grade A flesh. But as I was thinking about this podcast, I was starting to think, you know, is grade A flesh even a thing? Is it even true that some people just don't struggle or don't struggle as much? I think you probably know by now after what I've shared so far that I don't believe that. I believe every single person is struggling with something. I think some of us are not as in tune with our struggles. Some of us minimize our struggles meaning we just don't give much credit to them. We don't think about it. And then others of us love our struggles. Others of us love to see the struggle and to feel the struggle. And then others of us are victims to our struggle. I guess my next question to you would be, which one are you? For me, I made the choice about a decade ago that I was going to be honest about my life. I haven't always been very honest. In fact, if you know my story, you know, in 2012, I sort of had a burnout, a mild burnout, where I basically had to come to terms with the fact that what I was trying to do with my life just wasn't satisfying me. And ultimately, I had a lot of disappointments with the Lord in my marriage and in my life and in my soul that I didn't know how to navigate. And it really led me to a a pretty dark place. And I'll share more about that at another time. But the reality is... I had made the decision to start being honest and vulnerable when I was about 24. And the reason was because I met this couple and they were, they became the youth pastors at our church and they were just very honest and vulnerable people. And up until that point, I had never met a leader who was so secure in the love of God in their life and in their ability to be a functional human being that they were willing to pull the curtain back and show when they were having a bad day. Something changed in me when I encountered this couple. They changed my life forever. And one of the things they deposited into my life was just this absolute thirst for authenticity, a quest or, you know, an unquenchable desire to be truly authentic. And I am like that. I think I've always had that, but seeing it on display really helped me. So in the last several years, and especially since I became a senior pastor, I've sort of had this as a mandate on my life that I'm going to be honest about my life as much as I can, because I believe it's helpful for helpful for people. 
We are kidding ourselves if we think that our spiritual leaders and the people that we look up to just don't struggle in life, that they don't have doubts from time to time, that they don't wrestle with things that God is doing in their life. How do I know this? Because struggling is one of the ways that God alerts us to where we really are in our walk with him. When there is resistance that you're fighting against, even resistance in yourself, it's one of the indicators that this is an area that God wants to bring his grace into your life. So our heroes, the people that we look up to, if they don't have struggle, then they're done growing. And if they're done growing, then they're not pursuing the Lord and therefore they're not really a hero. So we know that they're struggling at some level. Now, it's okay. You don't have to be the kind of person that airs your struggles out on social media. In fact, I would say if you do want to air your struggles on social media, it's not really helpful to do that in a way that's ranting or venting. But it is helpful to let people peer behind the curtain a little bit. It's ironic to me that my posts on my Facebook page or my Instagram that get the most traction and get the most interaction with my friends are the ones where I'm saying, listen, you know what? This was just flat out hard. And on these days, I was really struggling. I was struggling with these particular things. Now, it might not be helpful as a leader in the body of Christ for me to unearth all of my struggles as they're happening when I might feel in the pit of despair, but it's helpful to be honest that there is a struggle. I said to my husband recently, I said, I think I want to get a tattoo of a whale somewhere on my body because I just resonate with Jonah so much in my season of life right now. And Jonah's just do not send me to Nineveh, Lord, anything but that. And then even trying to run away from God. There's parts of that story that I really resonate with in my life. And of course, my husband, if you know him at all, you know, this would be his typical answer. He just looked at me and said, don't be Jonah. Jonah is stupid. Don't be like Jonah. I said, I think it's too late. I think I am like Jonah at some points. There's parts of my calling I still wrestle with. There's parts of my assignment that God has given me in the body of Christ that I still am kind of like anybody but this. I also really resonate with Gideon. Gideon is one of those people in the Bible who really struggled, but I love God's heart towards Gideon. And this is something that I see in my own life as well. I see the Lord being like this to me. And I share this with you because this is just one of those examples that in our weakness, this is one of the ways God displays his strength and his grace to us. When we look at Gideon's story, we see him struggling to be this warrior that God has called him to be. And so he continues to ask God for a sign. He wants a fleece. He he puts a fleece out, you know, a, a piece of lambskin. And he's like, okay, when I wake up in the morning, let all the grass be wet and the fleece is dry. And that happens. And Gideon's like, oh, okay, well, let me try again. And this time, let the sheepskin be wet and all the grass be dry. And so he wakes up the next morning and that is happening. And he's like, oh, Okay, maybe one more thing. And every time he asks the Lord for a confirmation, he gets it. God is so gracious with him. The Lord is not put off by his struggle at all. Why? Because God saw his weakness. And maybe, just going out on a limb here, maybe when he saw his weakness, he was happy about it because he gave Gideon that weakness. And this was an example to show his strength through. Of course, we see Moses having a little bit of the same struggle at the burning bush where he's like, you know, I don't want this calling. No, Lord. And the Lord actually kind of reprimands him. He has a little bit of a different approach to Moses than he does to Gideon. And I'm no, you know, Hebrew scholar. And so I'm just making an assumption here. And I'm not even sure if this is correct. But maybe it's because Moses's weakness was not what he was. It wasn't insecurity. 
maybe what Moses was doing in that moment really was disobedience. It wasn't really struggle. And so the Lord was really reprimanding him and causing, calling him to rise up so that Moses could be who Moses was. Um, and looking at Gideon, maybe Gideon was insecure and not something God had essentially, maybe, dare I say, gifted him with. It's just a thought. But I would go so far as to say that Jesus struggled as well. Now, I'm going to use this example, and I don't know, you know, I think some of you might not agree with me, and honestly, that's okay. We don't have to see eye to eye on everything. But when I read the moment where Jesus looks at Peter and says, get behind me, Satan, I think there might have been a tone that was a little fleshy in that. Not saying that the words he said weren't from God, because we know Jesus himself said, if you've heard me, you've heard the Father. If you've seen me, you've seen what the Father's doing. And essentially what Jesus has said is that he was the exact representation of the Father in a human flesh. But could it be that his tone was a little sharp? Now, having a sharp tone is not a sin, so that doesn't disqualify who he was. But I wholeheartedly believe Jesus struggled. I wholeheartedly believed it. How do I know? Because when I'm struggling, sometimes I I, I feel Jesus come around me, put his arm around me and build me up. And, and, you know, the Bible tells us that we have a high priest, Jesus, who knows how to empathize with every single one of our weaknesses. He's felt the same temptations that you've felt. So again, don't try not to struggle try to struggle well. How do you struggle well? Well, here's one thing you can do. Be able to identify your downward spiral. So we all have a downward spiral. You have a moment that you begin to, to, uh, what's the way I should say this? Like gratify the flesh when you're not doing well, right? For some people, it might be smoking. It might be stress eating. It might be compulsive, like cleaning. It might be uh, blowing up and lashing out at someone. It might be, I don't know what your go-to, uh, you know, gratify the flesh thing is, but we all have one. We all have something that we turn to. For me, there's a couple of foods that I really only eat when I'm stressed. And I can tell, like, I'm not much of a candy eater unless it's Halloween or Easter, you know, and it's around me, then of course I'll eat it. But I don't really go to buy candy. But if I'm not doing well, you sure as heck believe I'm going to grab that candy bar at the checkout of the grocery store. That's an indicator to me that the spiral is beginning. So why is that important? Because when we can catch when the downward spiral is beginning, then we can press into the grace of God he has made available to us. I want to share a story with you that's a little personal and, you know, I'm being honest and vulnerable on a side note. People ask me fairly regularly why I'm so honest and vulnerable and they love it. They love to see the truth behind my life, but they're also sort of fascinated by it. And I think I can say to you that I am so confident in who I am in God, that God is with me and that I'm not fatally flawed because I struggle, that I can share with you my struggles. And so I hope you can get to that point as well, where you're not looking to other people to validate who you are or to make you feel better about yourself. And when you are in that place and God is the source of your, you know, everything, then it's a little bit easier to share the honest moments. But this happened a few years ago and I was in a season where I was just really frustrated as a mother. And if you've ever been a mother, then you know what this is like, especially a stay-at-home mom. Not to say that working moms don't experience this, but when you're in the thick of your children and in their struggle, it, it's a little bit more overwhelming when you're in it 24 hours a day. 
And so in this particular time, I was, I, I was yelling at my kids. I found myself just yelling a lot more than, than normal. And I was asking the Lord, I was confessing and saying, God, I don't want to be like this. I, I personally experienced some of that as a child, and I just don't want to do that to my children. And I was just saying, Lord, I'm so sorry. Please forgive me for yelling. And the Lord said this to me, and it was so interesting. The Holy Spirit said, um, I'm not disappointed that you yelled. I'm disappointed that you did not see the grace that was available to you before you yelled. Wait a second. What? So maybe the sin in my losing my temper wasn't the fact that I lost my temper, but that it was that I I did not look for God when I needed him, that I didn't trust the Lord in that moment. That revelation changed me forever. And I began to say, okay, so when I'm going down, when the the ship is sinking, when the struggle bus is veering off the lane and into the ditch, in that moment, there is an opportunity to tap into God, to experience his grace and to right the ship, to come back into a place of health in my soul and in my spirit and in my physical body. And if I can catch the grace of God there, then I can struggle well. My pastor in Waco used to, when I lived in Waco, Texas, he used to say this. He would talk about how if you're trying to quit smoking, the moment that you know you're on the right path is not the moment that you haven't had a cigarette in a month. It's the moment when you realized when you reached for the cigarette that you didn't need it. He basically likened overcoming our struggles to this process where, you know, we we don't even realize we're struggling at first. And then the next step of overcoming is recognizing that we actually had a struggle, which usually happens a day or two later, right? I mean, I don't know about you, but it's like, oh, a couple of days ago, I, I really, man, I shouldn't have done that. And then as we continue to go after Jesus and continue to let him work in our life, then we begin to, to see the grace of God and to feel that we're struggling as it's happening. Those can be the moments that we want to quit the most because we feel so helpless. But that's not the moment to quit. That's the moment that you're actually getting towards breakthrough. Think about it. The fact that you're experiencing conviction on something that you have not experienced conviction on for so long is a good thing to celebrate. Because the next step in your breakthrough is to experience that conviction or or the awareness of the struggle the moment before it happens the moment before you struggle. And if you can do that, then you can take it a step further. And before you even struggle at all, you can stop it before it starts. That's, in my opinion, sort of the process. So whether it's yelling at your kids or not stress eating or not abandoning all hope and feeling like you lost your salvation because you screwed up and and did something you weren't supposed to do or whatever it is that you're struggling with, don't give up. And don't beat yourself up because you have a struggle. Just push yourself to see where the grace of God is is waiting for you in the midst of that. So a couple of action points for you. Number one, name your struggle. Make sure you can say it out loud, you know, maybe to a spouse or a trusted friend where you can say, listen, you know what? This is my biggest issue. I go towards negative self-talk when I'm not doing well, or I go towards just, you know, whether it's beating yourself up or, you know, it, it could be beating yourself up in the form of overeating. It could be insecurity. It could be arrogance. I don't know, but be able to name it. This is something I'm struggling with. And I just seem to consistently be struggling with it. And then take it a step further for step two and identify the steps of your spiraling down. 
This is going to take some time because you're going to have to spiral down to be able to see it, if that makes sense. So be able to identify it. Man, you know what? I do gratify. I do, you know, go over towards these type of things when I'm struggling. I do gratify my flesh in these particular ways when I'm struggling. So, so step one is name your struggle. Step two, identify the downward spiral. And then step three is start working to break the momentum of that spiral. Again, you're not trying to never have a struggle. You're trying to find the grace of God in the midst of your struggle. In other words, you're not just being driven on your struggle bus by some chauffeur destined to doom in your life. You are the one behind the driver's seat. You actually are equipped by the Holy Spirit to drive that bus into the grace of God. It's a deliberate choice. It's a choice that I make on the regular If I'm being honest, I'm not great at it. I've been working at this for a really, really long time. And I still have moments where I'm, you know, finishing my day and the kids are in bed and I just start thinking, man, I just felt blind to the grace of God in my life today. Lord, I'm sorry. Put me back on the right track. Lord, don't let me take this one struggle and turn it into a whole downward spiral that just derails my life and my purpose and my calling for the next two months because I'm sitting and festering in this difficulty. No, let it just be what it was today. Let's cut ties with that struggle. Let's start fresh tomorrow. Let's enter into that promise that his mercies are new every day. And in that place, get back in the driver's seat of my bus and drive it straight into the glory of God. So I hope this is helpful for you. I hope this is something that really helps you give yourself more grace, because if we're talking about our theme of this podcast, the art of being you, then the goal here is for you to be your best self, which is not a person who never has problems or never struggles, but a person who isn't derailed and, um, you know, and stopped by those struggles. And you know what? That's you. You're not someone who's derailed by your issues. You might think you are, but I'm just telling you today, you're not. So you need to know, even if you've got nobody on your side, I'm on your side. I am praying for you. Thank you for listening to this. You are in my heart. You have what it takes to struggle well, and you are a mighty warrior, just like Gideon. You might be an unlikely warrior, but you're a mighty warrior. And so, you know, I'm making the pledge to you today. Let's just not identify with the Jonas of the world. Let's not be running to away from our calling and and have to be snatched up in a whale uh, to be put back on the right track, right? Let's be Gideons. Let's trust the Lord. Let's wrestle well. Let's struggle well. And let's go after everything that God has called us to be. I love you guys. Have an awesome day. So you've just listened to The Art of Being You with Rachel Wortman. I hope you enjoyed this episode of my podcast. And listen, it would mean the world to me if you would subscribe and rate or review this podcast on wherever you're listening from. Also, share it with a friend. Help me get the word out. Until next time, be blessed.